Good morning, church. Okay, let's try that again. Good morning, church. That's better. Yeah, 2023, welcome. Happy New Year, everyone. May this be quite an incredible year for us all. May we really experience God's presence in this year like never before. And yeah, I pray really that God would guide us in this year so that more and more people will be saved because of the good news of the gospel. And that's, that's one thing that's in my heart. But let me ask you, who of you are truly excited for this year? Okay. And who of you had a rough 2022? Be honest. All right. It almost felt like, maybe it was only me, but it almost felt like some of the workplaces or the, yeah, just jobs in general were trying to, let's say, catch up on the years of 2020 and 2021 as if we lost something. And now we had to push everything into the year of 2022. So just to give you an, an idea, on an average year, I do about 9 to 12 weddings a year, which averages one a month. Last year, I did 27 weddings for the year, right? So that is basically two a month, okay? But here's the funny thing. Obviously, no weddings could happen in 2020 and 2021, so all of them spilled over into 2022. Um, so a lot of people got married uh, last year. Let me just uh, gauge who got married last year. Anyone? Yes. All right. Woo! Okay, so there's two couples here. So that's awesome. But yeah, I also want to extend a special welcome to the evening service, guys, this morning. I know waking up early was hard for you guys. Yeah, be honest. Yeah, I, see, I see Mia smiling there. Yeah, yeah, I know. The evening, evening service, obviously, you get to sleep in on Sunday mornings, um, but you, your service hasn't started yet, so you join us for this morning. But uh, welcome, special welcome to you all, especially the staff as well. I saw they were a bit, bit tired this morning. Um, just, I'm just kidding. But welcome. All right. I just want to gauge the room as well. Who of you have some New Year's resolutions for yourself this year? Okay. No, no, no. No, no. Be honest. Be honest. I see this, the hands coming up and it's only like, yeah, you know, yep, um, worth um, But who has some New Year's resolutions? Okay. Put up your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you. All right. And who of you don't have New Year's resolutions because you know you never keep them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiana's like, mm -hmm, that's me. Um, you're speaking to me this morning. Yeah, I just want to give you an interesting fact. Um, so according to a New York, a New York news article uh, that they've done about, they've, they've uh, interviewed about 2,000 people, they said the average New Year's resolution takes about 32 days to break. Okay? And they say most of these people, 64% of them already broke it in the first two weeks. All right, so the reality is that this year's first sermon at Every Nation Highfelt will not be about New Year's resolutions, okay? So I want to make sure that we, we know it's not going to be New Year's resolution. But what it will be is this sermon originated from a song that captured my heart in a very special way last year, as well as some of the youth's hearts during a connect group last year. Now, some of the youth would obviously know what the song is. And the song, and the, um, let's say the sermon title for today is Getting Lost in His Love. Getting Lost in His Love. Now, I see um, Ane and Bella smiling this morning because um, let me give you an insight of what happened at that connect group. We started a connect group, and as every connect group, we started the song. 
we start with, with a song to settle our hearts, um, put off the lights, just make sure everything is quiet, and then get into the connect group after that. And as we listened to the song, I said to them two things. I said, firstly, listen to the song, first and foremost. Listen to the words. Listen to the invitation that God is giving you through this song. Secondly, we're going to listen to the song again. And then the second thing I want you to do is pray into that which, is, which God has called out from you in that song. All right? And um, we weren't even halfway through the song. And uh, obviously, the room being dark, I heard crying happening. But that subtle crying that, you know, you hear them, but you, you're not sure what's happening because it's dark. And I just hear, heard sobbing after a while because the song captured their hearts. After that, we didn't go into the Gnei group because I didn't know what to do after that. I was like, God, I don't know. You want to do something today. I'm just going to settle into that. I'm going to surrender to that. Please come and do what you want. And we started praying into um, that connect group. We just prayed the entire hour and 15 minutes long into what God is calling out from us this year or in that space that they, that they were in. So today, I want to speak about getting lost in His love for this year. And therefore, I also want to share a few encouragement for us this year, but also for the rest of your life. The encouragements that I want to send is not something that you just need to do for the new year. It's something that we can attempt for the rest of our lives. And the first one I want to share is going all in this year. Going all in. Because sometimes we act as if the veil in the temple was never torn. It's almost like we have free entrance into the presence of God, but yet we choose not to enter that presence. So I want to ask you this year to go all in. Say, Lord, I want to experience your presence every single minute of every single hour of every single day of this year. I've, I never want to be separated from you and your presence this year. Because most Christians will commit to attending church, but would not necessarily want to get too involved, isn't it? I'm fine with just waking up, going to the service, but please don't ask me to serve. Please don't ask me to get involved somewhere. I'm, I'm okay just with attending church. Or they do not want to do discipleship because they're scared to get too intimate with the people that they are surrounded with. And be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Sometimes we don't want to do connect groups because, yo, what if they ask me too many questions? What if there's too many things? What if, what if I have to reveal the things that's in my heart within those sessions? I'd rather stay away. I want to ask you to seek intimacy with God this year. To prioritize your quiet times like never before. Hear the scripture, Colossians 3, verse 1 to 2. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on the things that are on, are on earth. And I know this can be hard sometimes because, wow, the world can often be pulling so hard and you can lose everything that you've, let's say, dreamed of or focused on because of the world being so tempting. There's so many things that the world offers. There's so many things that the world throws in your direction. And therefore, it is sometimes hard to set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things on this earth. I want us to listen to the quote by K. Arthur. 
it says, if you do not plan to live the Christian life totally committed to knowing your God and to walking in obedience to Him, then don't begin. For this is what Christianity is all about. It is a change of citizenship, a change of governments, a change of allegiance. If you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget Christianity. It is not for you. Yes, I know this is very hard. But just the reality of God is not Lord of all. He is not Lord at all. So I want to ask you and I want to implore you and, and, and basically encourage you this year to say, please go all in. Put everything on the table. It's almost like playing poker. We don't want to necessarily go all in. You want to keep some to yourself because what if? What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't play out the way I dreamt of or focused on? And then you keep a little bit to yourself. I don't want to go all in. I don't want to love too much. I don't want to get too involved. I don't want to get too focused. I don't want to get too intimate. Because what if? The question of what if haunts our lives. But hear this last part. It says, if you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget Christianity is not for you. God gave everything, and therefore he asks everything in return from you. So give me everything. Surrender your lives. Bow to your own will. Put it down at the cross, and let's go all in. The second encouragement I would love to give you is love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Agape love is the type of love that we talk about here, and it says do not love with terms and conditions. Now let's be honest, the hardest Let's say people I struggle to love on this earth is taxi drivers. I really struggle to love them. You can ask my wife. I really do. I struggle. But I want to ask you this year to love unconditionally. And I want to ask you this question. Are you able to love even if you gained or received nothing in return? I want to ask it again. I want you to think about this. Are you able to love even if you gained or received nothing in return? I want to tell you a story of what happened to me at the Ryuk School. While I was preaching there the one day. So in the fall, fall triangle, I was a youth pastor for three and a half years. And within the first year, year and a half, I got basically very famous as a youth pastor. Every school that I, was, that I was preaching at, every, yeah, everywhere I went, when I walked into Vol Mall, people would basically greet me from all the corners. I couldn't walk through the mall without 25, 30 people greeting me from all over. And all the schools, I was, I was seen as the, the, the young and hip youth pastor, the one that is interesting to listen at, to listen to. And this one day... It started, well, not this one day, it started lingering in my heart. I got so used to the attention. I got so used to the praise. I got so used to people every time that I finished a sermon telling me, wow, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Man, Maurice, you're so funny. I love it. I just love listening to you. I heard those things from youth so many times where they would tell me, listen, um, we're so glad you preached at, at, at our school today because we don't like the other preachers that much. We don't like the other pastors that much. And the one day, I found myself at Ryuk Wurschkel, ready to, to do the sermon, everything as normal. I prepared my sermon. I'm ready. I'm sorted. I'm, 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 I'm there. Everything is ready. As I walked in onto the stage, 
God humbled me like never before. I sat there in a the moment and I thought by myself, I'm just going to I'm just going to let the, the crowds enjoy me again. I had all my jokes written out. I had everything ready for that sermon. And in that time, the, the headmaster introduced me. Hey, guys, we have Moritz. We don't have to introduce him. You all know him. Just come up. He's going he's gonna to preach with us today. And as I stood in front of 1,147 kids in Brioek Wurskol, I forgot my entire sermon in a moment. And God, in that moment, spoke to me as clear as day as if I've ever heard it before. He said to me that if you would love to do this on your own, I would let you do it. Go for it. And I stood in front of a school, and obviously there's a minute, two minutes going past, and I haven't said a word. And everyone is looking at me as like, when is he going to speak? What's happening? And in that moment, as I encounter God... I had to kneel in front of the entire school, and I said the words, I said, Lord, may this never be about me ever again. I'm sorry that I've put myself in a position where I received the praise of so many people, and it was no longer about you. And from that moment on, whenever I preached anywhere, you might not see me doing it, but now you'll know. You'll probably see it before every sermon. Before I go up, I will write my name on the floor. And I would literally say the words, I'm leaving you behind because it's not about you. I'm going to be an instrument in God's hands today. And whatever he wants to do, I will be open for it. I surrender my life. I'm only an instrument. And that's why you'll maybe hear me every often yeah, pre, uh, uh, pray that I say that I'm only an instrument in God's hands. Without Him, I mean nothing. That prayer is to remind myself. To not get ahead of myself. It's not about you. It's not about you. So I want to ask you this morning. Jesus will never expect something of us that he's never done himself before. Hear the words in 1 John 4, verse 18 to 19. So there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We don't love because we are great. We love because he first loved us. From that moment on, there was something else because people understood to not praise the pastor, to not hold on to him as being the savior. Because as you see in this world, you'll see it so many times in so many churches that if the main pastor or the head pastor is not preaching, some people won't go to church. Because we hold so dearly on to some people that they become the savior figures in our lives. And if they are not the person conveying the message, I don't want to be there. So I want to ask you this morning. If there's any fear in your love or any fear in your life, know that whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If you're not there yet, 
be perfected in love. I want to ask you to have intimate moments with God and saying, Lord, I want to be perfected in love. If I still fear something, come and cast that out of my life forever. Lord, because I want to be perfected in your love. Catherine Toon said the words, she said, love is a person who wants to be known. Love is a person who wants to be known. May we seek after this, this year, to know him personally with our lives. Go all in and also love unconditionally. I want to share this following scripture with you. It says, 1 John, John 4, verse 7 to 11 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. May we really love one another. May we love the lost this year. God, God really um, put something on my heart. And it says, getting lost in his love will always result in loving the lost. I'll say it again. Getting lost in his love will always result in loving the lost. Once we get so used to God's love and the intimate moments that we have with him, God will always compel you to go and love the lost will always compel you to go and reach the lost. So we would never be able to forget the lost. And therefore, we need to have the ability to love unconditionally with our lives. The third encouragement that I would love to give you is follow wholeheartedly. We see Jesus saying the words in John 8 verse 12 and says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I think when God said, take up your cross and follow, the next scripture, Mark 8, verse 34, it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I think when Jesus said these words, he knew that if we had to have a visible cross on our backs, it will always be visible. It will always be visible. Taking up your cross and following him would mean that people and the world will see it on a daily basis. He knew that it will not be easy because he bore the cross himself on the way to Golgotha. Therefore, whenever he asks this of you, he's not asking this not knowing the consequences, not knowing the weight of that which you are about to carry. He knew exactly what he's asking of you. And therefore, he's calling you to say, follow me wholeheartedly with your entire lives. Timothy Keller said the words, Jesus says, I want you to follow me so fully, so intensely, so enduringly, that all other attachments in your life look weak by comparison. May we love God so much with our entire lives that everything in our lives becomes secondary our work, our family, our, it's our friends, whatever we do, whatever we attempt in our lives, may we follow Jesus so fully, so intensely, 
so enduringly that all other attachments in our life look weak by comparison. Therefore, I want to encourage you to really follow God this year wholeheartedly. Go all in, love unconditionally, and follow wholeheartedly. The last encouragement that I would love to give you is soak up His presence. Soak up His presence. Man, isn't it amazing just to go into your room, switch off the lights, sit in the middle of a room and say, Lord, please come and speak to me today. Whatever you say, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm going to listen to what you want to say to me today. Wherever you lead me, wherever you guide me, Lord, come and speak to me today. I don't want to miss your voice in my life. If there's one person that knew what the presence of God feels like, it was David. And he said in Psalms 105, it says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Being, being the king of Israel, he never saw himself in a position being higher than God ever. He always knew who was the ultimate authority. He always knew there was someone above him. He never, ever put himself above Christ ever. Because he knew exactly who God is. And he would submit to that on a daily basis. And his life show that or sh have shown that to the people of Israel. It was one of the most glorious times in history that the entire Israel worshipped God. It's so amazing that when leaders really understand what it's like to seek the presence of God and to soak up His presence. And whenever we soak up His presence, your life will show. Your life will show it. Because in the times that we have, in our, let's say in a closed room behind closed doors, we would see that on the outside world. You can see when someone has an intimate relationship with God. Isn't it? You can see it. You see the fruits of that on the outside. And I'm longing for that this year. And as, I, as I've prepared this sermon, I've realized that this sermon is only for me. Yes, you may gain something from it, but it's for me this year. I needed to listen to these words. I'm not standing here in front, front of you preaching today and saying that I do all these things right. I don't. Not at all. Not even close. I am with you this year. Listen to the next um, scripture that Paul wrote to Timothy. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession the presence of many witnesses. I want to encourage you, fight the good faith. Fight of faith this year. Maybe be all in. May we go all in. May we love unconditionally. May we follow wholeheartedly. And may we soak up His presence this year. I pray for a supernatural hunger for the Word in your life this year. May you run to your Bibles this year. May you spend time in your Bible this year. May you soak up His presence this year. May we have times of refreshing where we really spend time with the Holy Spirit, that it, that it will show in our lives that the fruits of that labor or the fruits of that prayer time which show in the world around you, that people would walk to you and say, hey, I see something in your life and I want that. Whatever that is, I want that. I remember I was working, I started working at, at Junk Mail. Maybe you have heard this story before. I was a digital sales rep for Junk Mail and the, the lady 
that was my boss at the time, there was 50 people interviewing for this job and only three job openings. I was 19 years old at the time. I went for the interview, obviously not knowing there's 50, 50 other people that, that would also be interviewing for the job because otherwise I would probably not have um, interviewed uh, for that job. But I was one of the three out of the 50 that was employed at Junk Mail um, that day. And, and I, was, I was in a space where I was really in a good relationship with God. I had intimate moments with God. I was really in a good space. My faith was, was, was about there, if I could say that, if there was levels to faith. But I remember asking this lady who was my boss, I said to her, please explain to me the rationale or the thinking behind employing me out of the 50 other guys that had years of uh, works experience, years of sales, years of all these things. Why did you employ me? I just want to understand. I want to know. And she said to me, Moritz, the moment you walked in, there was something about you. I wanted something. I don't know what it is, and I don't know yet what it is, but I want that something that you have. Four months later, I got the call into full-time ministry at Kompas Gemeente in Vanabel Park without interviewing, without even knowing about the job at all. I went to, to um, visit my, my cousins because it was their church, and uh, we just went to their, to their cell groups. And the head pastor walked past me, and, and, and he greeted me, and he walked further, and he stopped. And then all of a sudden turned, turned back and came to me and said, Moritz, have you ever wanted to be in full-time ministry, yes or no? I said, yes. I, I know I want to be in full-time ministry. I got the call when I was 16 years old. I know I want to be in, in, in full-time ministry, but I don't know when. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm just trusting God will open the door for me. And uh, his words to me that day was, all right, I want to I wanna, I wanna employ you as our full-time youth pastor at this church. Take it or leave it. That was basically what he left it at. And uh, I was like, okay, um, no. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> really, I did. Um, and then I went back home. And I, and I told my father this, this, this story. I said, a random thing happened at Compass Gemeente while I was there um, at one of the cell groups. And and he said to me, yes, what happened? And I was like, okay, but this head pastor just basically offered me the job of youth pastor at Compass Gemeente without even knowing me that well. And my father was like, okay, but what did you say? I said, no. Why would I, why would I, why would I accept that? And, my, and I, would never, I would never forget the words that came out of my father's mouth that day. He said to me, are you stupid? And I was like, wow, that's not nice to say. But he says like, you got the call from God, you prayed that God would open a door without you putting in your CV or without applying for the job. Now God has opened the door and you say no? And then when that thoughts kicked in, I was like, okay. Um, so I phoned, I phoned the head pastor back and I was like, Yo, is that offer still on the table? After me saying so abruptly, no. Um, is, that, is that offer still on the table? He said to me, yes, the offer is still on the table. And a month later, I started working there. But why I'm telling you the story is to, to, to make you understand that when I went to this lady that employed me only four months ago out of 50 other people, I thought she's going to shout at me um, and because now I'm quitting the job because I'm starting as a youth pastor. And I went into her office. Um, I had a meeting with her, and she said, uh, I said to her, ma'am, well, um, I'm sorry to say this to you, but I'm, I'm, I'm resigning. 
um, I'm going to do another job. And she didn't even answer me in that moment. And she just started calling people and canceling meetings. And I, I didn't know what's happening in that, in that time. Obviously, me as a 19-year-old at that time, or 20-year-old, uh, sorry, I was 20 years old at that time, I was like, what in the world is happening now? She just started phoning, canceling meetings and whatever. And, and then she started talking and saying, listen, we have three hours. I want to hear what you're going to do. What is your next step uh, after this? I said to her, ma'am, do you really want to know? She said, yes. So I'm going to be a youth pastor. And then she said, I knew it. And I was like, what, what do you mean you knew it? What, what, what does that mean? She said, I knew there was something about you and I want that. What is the answer? Give me the answer straight. Don't play with me. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> and I was like, ma'am, um, if you don't want me to lie to you, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the way I am that I am today. He's the way, he's the one that brought me to this place where I am today. And if there is something that you need in your life, because she was a Hindu, if there's some, something you need in your life today, it's Jesus. Would you be willing to accept him as your Lord and Savior in your life? Because he can make you that way as well. He could take you through the process of sanctification. And you can become holy in this process with God. And right then, then my last act of resigning at junk mail was to lead the boss of junk mail to the Lord. And even to this day, she's serving the Lord faithfully. She has led her, her, her husband and her kids to the Lord. And she has an incredible relationship with, with God. And she attends church on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. She misses it for nothing. Here's what I want to say, that if it wasn't moments where I soaked up the presence of God, the fruit would not have shown to the world outside. And in that moment, I could change a workplace entirely by doing one thing, accepting that God can use me in, as an instrument in His hands. And therefore, I would encourage you with his words by Kingsley, it says the most important part of prayer is not the result it produces, but the intimacy it creates. I want to say it again. The most important part of prayer is not the result it produces, but the intimacy it creates. I long for the intimacy that, I've, that I experienced 10 years ago. I long for that same intimacy in my life this year. I want to spend intimate times with God this year. I want to be refreshed with God this year like never before.